0: Can you tell me where the Constitution went? Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people try to cross the board do
1: Podcast of Tapping into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are, and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, a alive from historic Rogan County, Tennessee, and so very glad to have you folks with me as we are headlong into the holiday season, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Festivus, whatever you're celebrating, even though one is completely made up guys. Come on, it's it's almost as made up as Scientology. Almost, uh, it's a l- slightly more credible, just slightly. <laughs> anyway, uh, happy holidays, especially as we look to the new year. Everybody kind of hoping for a reset in 2021. Uh, Just the world reestablishing itself after the insanity of the alternate universe we've been living in in 2020 I don't think we're going to get that I'm kind of concerned 2021 is going to be even worse But hey, let's try to be optimistic It is the season Of course, I uh, celebrate Christmas here So if I continue to wish you a Merry Christmas Please take it in the spirit it's intended Even if Christmas isn't your thing uh, all right. So uh, we got a lot of things going on. It's Friday night, time of the live broadcast. If you happen to be listening on one of the great radio stations across the uh, country that rebroadcasts this show uh, for your benefit, time of the live broadcast, Friday night. It is December 18th. It is just a few brief moments before 7 p.m. Eastern. i got a little bit early start, so nobody in the chat room yet. Nobody would have realized, given uh, my inability to keep things uh, on a regular schedule the last few weeks, nobody would be expecting me to start early. Uh, Half of the normal Friday crew probably aren't even expecting me to be on at all. But here I am, ladies and gentlemen, and so very glad to be with you. Thank you so much. A lot of stuff to cover as well. I would imagine as we get closer to the regular start time here in a little bit, uh, more people will be pulling into the chat room. But we don't have time to wait for that way too much stuff to cover. I'm not going to get to everything I would like to. Two hours simply isn't enough at some point in time. Maybe I will increase that. I certainly have the capability. I probably should. But let's start with uh, a bit of news that will probably appeal to those of you listening at WCETFM. Columbia's talk. Okay, uh, scientists who look for extraterrestrial life have reported a radio signal coming from the direction of the nearest star to the sun. That's Proxima Centauri. Uh, this radio signal, of course, is now triggering one scientist to say that it was the first serious candidate. Since the WOW signal discovered back in 1977, a candidate of what, you may ask if you're not familiar with this? Well, candidate for proof of extraterrestrial life Intelligent. The assumption is uh, another sufficiently advanced uh, culture civilization out there would probably be following a similar path. So radio signals, television signals, things of those nature – would eventually start being detectable, presuming that they're somewhere in the same range of technological advancement as we are. If they're older, then we should have detected them sooner. They should have been out there available. But even if that's the case, and there may very well be, that's the very, very scary part here, is the scary that we could be surrounded by these signals and never discover them because space is kind of big. Anyway, uh, quoting here, uh, the narrow beam of radio waves was picked up during 30 hours of observations uh, by the uh, Parks Telescope in Australia in April and May last year. So why are we just now hearing about this? That's what I want to know. Analysis of the beam has been underway for some time, and scientists have yet to identify a terrestrial culprit such as ground-based equipment or passing satellite. Now, these are the things that ordinarily are responsible for these radio signals that are detected by the astronomers that are out here listening, the the SETI folks and the folks that are working not necessarily on SETI itself but on a similar project that – operates on the same basic premise. We're listening. Now, this, of course, was reported by The Guardian, in case you're wondering. Now, scientists at the uh, Breakthrough Listen project, which, of course, searches for alien life through radio telescopes, they've noted that Proxima Centauri, which is exactly 4.2 light years from Earth, has two Confirmed planet, a Jupiter like gas giant, and then a rocky world called Proxima B in the habitable zone. Just FYI. And this, of course, has also been uh, reported by the Daily Mail. And uh, they also added Proxima B is an Earth like rocky world that orbits within the habitable, habitable zone. <clears throat> English really is my first language, I promise. (laughs) It orbits within the habitable zone of its star. That is an area where liquid water can flow on the surface of the planet. Basically, it's not going to be all ice, or it's not going to evaporate away and stay a steam, or maybe just evaporate away completely, uh, which can happen if you're way too close to the star that you orbit. Anyway, uh, the star is, however, a red dwarf. And the habitable zone is very close, meaning that the planet is likely tidally locked and exposed to intense radiation, making it unlikely that any civilization has been able to form, at least on the surface. Now, that's where things get kind of interesting uh, from a theoretical point of view. Uh, Maybe there's a subterranean civilization, or even more to the point, maybe there's a civilization that arose there before uh, the current circumstances of Proxima b existed. Most red dwarfs weren't always red dwarfs. And so what you have is an infinite number of possibilities because our ability to detect extrasolar planets is still relatively new in the grand scheme of our capabilities In astronomy, we can make observations, make mathematical predictions. Uh, Now we can make really, really solid uh, ascertments about what uh, extrasolar planets look like. So uh, this is just very interesting. I wanted to share this because when this is something breaking on a Friday night, but you found out it happened last year in. This is the kind of story that I typically pay attention to. Something like this would not ordinarily have snuck under my radar because I pay attention to the uh <clears throat> the magazines uh the scientific papers the the scientific boards where they talk about the breakthroughs in astronomy i i 'm one of these scientific geeks uh and uh fanboy nerds of uh, things like Star Trek and Star Wars to the point that I'm actively rooting for our generation to be the generation that can start transitioning into uh, that next level of exploration that can develop the currently – Unknown or uncapable technologies so that we can move forward and advance our uh, species through space and travel and and visit worlds and, and possibly even meet our galactic neighbors. That would be fantastic. And I, for one, cannot wait until some bigger news, some big news, something positive comes from that. So big piece of information. Right. An interesting topic to talk about on a Friday. I love being able to talk science on Fridays. I do. I, we don't get to talk enough science on here anyway. Now, do we? I mean, we kind of talk about science, but usually we're talking about what science the left is denying, you know, um, biology or How we're accused of being science deniers because we point out some basic fundamental uh, facts about what actually drives climate change. Yeah, Uh, yeah, stuff like that. Anyway, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, some of the uh, quick headlines, uh, stories that will probably uh, – well, probably be pushed to the point that over the next few weeks that if you do pay attention to the news, you're going to feel like you've been beat over the head with it. Uh, Joe Biden, as he continues to select his, uh, his um, cabinet-level positions, the people he wants to nominate, well, he's made news after weeks of rumors, uh, Joe Biden has officially nominated the first Native American to head the U.S. Interior Department. Ooh, I'm feeling like something awesome just happened. Now, let me be clear, okay? I don't have a problem with a Native American who is qualified for any job to fill that job. I don't don't have a problem. In fact, uh, I feel more sympathy... No, not the right word. I feel more empathy, although sometimes I would have to say it's very sympathetic as well, uh, towards the Native Americans than any other ethnic group. Because if anybody got a raw deal in the expansion of the uh, creation of the American Republic, that's who got the rawest of the raw deals, and I I don't care – how you want to try to paint it, how you want to try to spin it, I, I feel like it's an undeniable truth. Uh, of course, when we talk about objective truth, uh, that's just me propagating white supremacy, as I've been uh, told by college professors across this great nation. Uh, the idea that there is a simple, actual, honest, just the truth uh, is a byproduct of white supremacy. If we don't talk about subjective truths, if we're not talking about your truth or my truth, then I'm just propagating that white supremacy, and I'm comfortable with that. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to do this, if you're going to talk and… Want to be heard, if you're going to get behind a microphone And you're going to espouse Conservative values, if you're going to take The side of the conservative Mindset in the culture War, in the political battles Wherever, if you're not being Called a racist And a homophobe and a Xenophobe and a xylophone And and any of the other Phobes that these people can think of Including Latinophobe, I've been called a Latinophobe Although it was only uh, In jest, and I miss you Barry I hope you're still catching the show uh, and rebroadcast or listening to the podcast. Um, but, uh, you know, if you're not being called these things, then you're not doing it right. So, badge of honor, call me what you will. But at any rate, uh, this past Thursday, Joe Biden finally followed through uh, with one of his campaign promises, which was to ensure tribes have a seat at the table at the highest levels of the federal government, nominating First-term Representative Deb Holland uh, as the Interior Secretary. Now, if confirmed by the Senate, she would become the first Native American appointed to a presidential cabinet position, period. And the fact that it would be the Interior Secretary, uh, the department that has essentially – Overseen the U.S. government's treatment of Native Americans uh, since its inception, I think there's a, a hugely symbolic message to be sent there. And of course, that's what makes it so tasty for the left, isn't it? It's all about the symbolism. It's all about uh, the virtue that is being signaled so strongly, so loudly, almost almost as loudly as the radio signal that's been discovered from uh, Alpha Centauri. Well, Proxima Centauri, if you'll forgive my generalization in the galactic map. So uh, you know, again, I, I have to say I haven't had a chance to really delve into this first-time representative's uh, background too much. I would imagine we'll hear quite a bit about it in the coming weeks. <clears throat> she is an enrolled member of the Pueblo, uh, which, of course, is a federally recognized tribe uh, that's out in New Mexico, uh, mostly uh, settled around Al- Albuquerque. Uh, she says that she's a 35th generation resident of the state, uh, claiming uh, her tribal ancestry going back quite a ways. Um, I, I, again, I, I, I'm curious, is she qualified for this job? I, is this a case of Joe Biden virtue signaling, or is this a case of actually selecting somebody who's worth it? And the only reason I'm – i to ask this question just because, again, like I said, I haven't had a whole lot of time to really dig into her qualifications because maybe she is, and if so, then fine, great, fantastic. But what we're going to talk about later in the second hour tonight is how there's some of Joe Biden's pick that not only are not qualified for the positions he's trying to put them in, but the virtue signal is so hard just to find a spot for some of these people. It's almost a joke. I mean you literally – I use the qualifier almost. It really is a joke. But it almost feels like either A, he's got a, a big gigantic dartboard and uh, Kamala's blindfolding him before he throws the darts in hopes that he might accidentally hit himself in the neck and then she becomes president, Um or there's a giant fishbowl with a bunch of names running around it, and they're spinning it around like a bingo uh, circle. They're, they're, they've got the bingo cage rolling, and then every so often they're just pulling out a name, and then out of the second one, they pull out the uh, cabinet-level position. Uh, Tim up. Uh, Secretary of the Useless Information from the radio. What? Wow, that one actually fit. No, let's try this one again. I mean, it, it it really is ridiculous. I, I'm thinking Pete Buttigieg in particular uh, when I'm saying this, but like I said, we'll talk more about that later. But hey, I mean, congratulations on the one part uh, having been in governments for so very short amount of time. Uh, but uh, you know, again, let's see what happens. I mean, I'm I'm not close-minded. I do invite delving into. Who this person truly is and what would qualify her for this role. And if she's qualified and Biden still ends up being the guy who has the has the furniture rearranged at uh, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, uh, gets it installed uh, even for just a short time, uh, then OK, I, I guess. I just – I find it very interesting that that's what's going on. All right. Now, there were a few other headlines that I wanted to do quick hits on as well, uh, some stuff that was kind of first being uh, reported uh, earlier in the day. We, of course, have been told that hackers have breached U.S. government agencies that maintain the nuclear weapons stockpile. Ooh, Scary. Um, you know, the the Swalwell case continues to uh, grow some steam. Helen Keller has been dissed in Time magazine. They've got a new feature running called Just Another Privileged White Person. Helen Keller. I mean, we know the left has the war on history ongoing, right? We know that now uh, Abraham Lincoln is no longer sufficiently uh, for the advancement … of minorities in this country uh, in order to maintain himself because he wasn't actively anti-racist. I mean that, that really is the mindset. That's the thinking. It's like, excuse me? What? I don't get it. But now Helen Keller. Helen Keller must be what, because she was Caucasian, and she helped somebody, and they can't have children today growing up that white people ever did anything good in this world. That's literally the mindset. That is literally the woke perspective. All white people are evil. All white people are racist. All white people cannot help it. And when I get angry about being called a racist when I've never done anything racist in my life, really haven't, then that's just my white supremacy surfacing because I have no right being angry for being called a racist. Go figure. So – Time magazine, which – not that anybody even cares about Time magazine anymore. I mean once upon a time when Time would do their special volumes uh, once a year, uh, they were kind of cool. And once upon a time, people might have cared what the, the Time magazine was going through. But we have relegated ourselves to the only time they're really mentioned uh, with any import is when they select their person. persons of the year and man they did a great job this year didn't they uh both joe biden and kamala harris barely there beijing biden and horizontal harris Uh, quite the tag team it's my understanding but yes they are the persons of the year way to go time that's not a big enough slap in the face for the world now you're going to go after helen keller Just another privileged white person, please. Sheesh. Of course, uh, Joe Biden has made some headlines again in commenting about the investigations into Hunter. Basically, he's trying to tell people now that these investigations are purely political, just a way to try to get at me, and they're kind of foul play. Really? And never mind the fact that he's been under investigation for multiple years right now. Never mind the fact that he was literally under investigation during the Obama administration. Now, that's a little nugget you're not going to get on the legacy media, is it? People were looking into Hunter Biden's activities because he was behaving in a fashion that, you know, raised a red flag or two if you were looking at criminal behavior. Hunter Biden has been a criminal. For a while. Oh, Tim, you can't just say that. You can't come out and say that. Too much? Too much of a truth bomb? Is that too much? Oh, maybe it is. See that uh, Chief has joined us in the chat room. Hey, Chief. Glad to have you in. Happy Friday. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Uh, Happy Festivus. I think Festivus was uh, (laughs) what Chief said last time. And uh, glad to have you on board. Uh, Chief, of course, is the host of another great show in its own right. It's called Simple Facts of Life. You can find it at blogtalkradio.com. You know, if you're inclined to go check him out, and I highly recommend you do. Uh, Once you're uh, at blogtalkradio.com, you'll land on the homepage. You'll see a search bar near the top. You can, of course, put in QMCUSN if you like, it should take you straight to him. But if you're listening to the rebroadcast, on one of the great radio stations across the country that, in fact, does rebroadcast the show. You know, radio stations like KYAH 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority. Stations like WCET-FM in Columbia, South Carolina, Columbia's Talk. Stations like KDIL 105.7 FM, Kennewick, Washington. Or even KOII 94.5 FM in Flagstaff, Arizona. If you're listening, one of those. Radio stations and you 're driving around and you 're thinking that 's great i I want to check out simple facts of life by the chief uh, when I get home because i 'm driving around right now i, I don 't need to be doing that while i 'm driving, and then you get home and you 're trying to remember what was that q l g b f m nine eight no that 's not it, so maybe it 's easier if you remember simple facts of life probably Work really well for you. You put that in, have to scroll down a little bit. You'll find the show end. And the best part of all, if you would like, after you've listened to some of the shows in the archives, and you're like, hey, you know what, uh, Tim's right about this guy. Uh, you can join him live, where he does his thing from his underground bunker somewhere uh, in the proximity of Portland uh, on Tuesdays. You get started at 6 p.m. Eastern. You, of course, can adjust to your time zone accordingly. That's when you can catch him live. Glad to have you here, Chief. So we've got all of that, right? And and so, yay, radio uh, radio signal from Proxima Centauri. Interesting. We've got... Headlines around the way, and I'm going to take the mid-hour break. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm going to take the mid-hour break here momentarily, and then when we get back, we're going to talk about how AOC is taking up. For sex workers. But before I take that break, I want to tell you what uh, Chief just said in the chat room. He said that I forgot to mention that it's only three days until the winter solstice holiday. The witches will cast a spell on you. Uh, Well, in that case, uh, you're absolutely right. That's why I use the term happy holidays. I usually start saying happy holidays to people immediately after Halloween so as to include Thanksgiving, Christmas, or whatever, and then New Year's as well. It was never meant to be a, oh, I'm trying to avoid saying Merry Christmas because I'm all about saying Merry Christmas to some folks. But I'm perfectly content also with saying Happy Yule to any Wiccans who might be out there. And if you're practicing uh, dark magics, clearly you're not wicked. and I clearly want nothing to do with you, uh, nor do I particularly want you working against me. So, yes, just happy Yule, and uh, we'll leave it at that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, stay with me, please. I will be right back after a very, very brief break. Don't go anywhere. The show continues in just a few.
2: who worked very hard to provide for his family but times were tough hello i'm ron edwards on today's page from the edwards notebook one christmas the man's five-year-old daughter used all of the family's gold wrapping paper for one shoebox that she placed under the family tree money was tight so the struggling dad wondered where the daughter got the money to buy whatever was in that shoebox nevertheless christmas morning the little girl filled with excitement brought the gift box to her father As he opened the box, the dad became angry and said, Don't you know, when you give someone a present, there should be something in the package. The little girl, with tears rolling down her cheeks, whispered, Daddy, it's not empty. I blew kisses into it until it was full. The father was crushed and begged his precious daughter to forgive him for his unnecessary anger. An accident took the life of the child a short time later. It is told that the father kept the little box by his bed all the days of his life. Whenever he was discouraged, he would open the box, take out an imaginary kiss, and remember the love of his beautiful child who put it there. In a real sense, each of us has been given an invisible golden box filled with unconditional love from family, friends, and most of all, God, who gave us his son. Merry Christmas, America. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the RonEdwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition.
3: This is Dan Perkins with your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans, Tip of the Day. Are you looking for a job because you got laid off because of the coronavirus? Most veterans think that the GI Bill can only be used for college, but that's not true. It can also be used for retraining programs. So if you're out of work and looking for a new career, go to theva.gov and look at the GI Bill benefits. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans, Tip of the Day.
1: much for staying with me through that very brief break uh, i want to give another shout out uh, now we've got bigfoot in the house welcome to the chat room bigfoot glad to have you here sir bigfoot of course is a blogger extraordinaire and i do not use that terminology lightly don't believe me fine prove it to yourself go to bigfootsplace.blogspot.com see for yourself you'll never doubt me again Uh, At least when it comes to that. All right. Uh, I do want to make a quick reminder as a programming note. uh, Since I was unable to do the regular Wednesday night broadcast, I have rescheduled. Ron Edwards will be joining us this Sunday, uh, which there is, at least at this point, no reason that I know of that will keep us from having that regular show. And. I'm thinking – I'm not sure what next week holds exactly, but it's looking like I should be able to kind of get back to the regular schedule next week, and I'm hoping uh, that that's the case. Uh, Once we do that, uh, I will be making some changes after the first of the year. Uh, I do know that some of the radio stations that uh, rebroadcast the show are changing formats and will no longer be doing uh, talk radio. Uh, So a couple of the stations will be uh, Well, you know No longer carrying the show Uh, The other stations uh, I'm presuming we're going to continue As was before But I still may be cutting back One of the shows uh, through the week Uh, I I Probably Will go back to The regular schedule That we're doing now uh, a little later into the year, but at least after the first of the year, I'll probably be cutting back at least one of them uh, for a little while. At any rate, just as a heads up for you guys, who especially those of you who make the pilgrimage to come hang out in the chat room and uh, be part of the show, uh, I appreciate you guys enough that I try to let you know such things. In the meanwhile, I promised you a conversation about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And for those of you that are still playing the AOC drinking game, I'm looking at you guys over in Virginia Tech. Thanks you again so much for letting me know about that. Uh, we, uh, we've got an opportunity to really party on a Friday night because here's the thing. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. By the way, that's two shots every time I say that. If it's AOC or just Ocasio-Cortez, it's one shot. It's two shots if I say the full Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Those are the official rules. I didn't make up this game, by the way, but I do love the fact that uh, some folks made up this game after listening to me complain about the social justice warrior, the justice democrat, the former bartender, the current purveyor of the Green New Deal. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez – you guys, if you're playing, you're going to be just staggering. Anyway, Miss Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez openly promoted prostitution this past Tuesday with an open declaration saying that sex work is work. And of course… Advocates of sex work use the phrasing uh, quite frequently. Lots of us just call it prostitution. Um, sex work is—I'm—I'm I'm quoting Acacio Cortez right now. Sex work is work. She did this on Twitter, retweeting a Rolling Stone magazine story that accused the New York Post of shaming a 23-year-old paramedic for turning to solicitation subscription website fans – oh, I'm sorry, only fans. I was going to say fans only, but that would not be right. Uh, Now, I – Never heard of this site before, which is strange because usually news stories like this uh, uh, involving uh, such things uh, usually make it across my news feeds. Uh, At some point I would see these things. But – so the New York Post was trying to, to shame this young paramedic for turning to solicitation, really. Now, again, quoting here. The federal government has done almost nothing to help people in months. We must pass stimulus checks, UI, small biz relief, hospital funding, etc. Keep the focus of shame there, not on marginalizing people surviving a pandemic. Without help. Ironically, I would like to point out the Democratic lawmaker herself happens to be a proponent of strict lockdown measures. You know, the kind that have actually caused the destruction of countless small businesses. And uh, also, she's Really worked hard to keep mega corporations uh, that would do a lot of hiring, you know, uh, places like, com- well, companies like Amazon from coming into her district. Maybe, maybe this 23 year old paramedic wouldn't have to supplement her income by becoming a sex worker if she had other, you know, more legitimate, less seedy means of supplementing her income. It's also unfortunately pushed too many women towards solicitation sites like OnlyFans, uh, the lockdown. Although I I can't help but ask the question out loud – well, I'm going to ask it out loud. Is Is sex work safe in the age of COVID? I mean – I don't think that it's ever been safe, even if you practice safe practices. Uh, but is it safe? Is it less safe? Should anybody be able to engage? I mean, I suppose if you're only doing the the camera shows, if you're only having people sign the the subscriptions and and then they watch you do stuff and and you're miles apart, I I guess that's safe, but is that really the only thing the people on these sites are doing? I mean, that is the only thing you can prove, but if somebody's dropping enough money and then somebody offers to drop a much larger uh, total, much larger uh, bit of cash, uh, are you going to say that no one's being tempted are you going to tell me that nobody is using these camera shows as a way to facilitate more direct solicitation i'm i'm just i'm postulating the idea i'm throwing it out there i don't participate so i don't know enough about it to to say one way or the other but i've heard people insinuate that that happens frequently with some subscription services, not necessarily with this one in particular, but I don't know. Maybe you guys do. Uh, Now, Fox News noted that AOC is not new to promoting the legitimacy of prostitution. Uh, Casio-Cortez has previously advocated for decriminalizing sex work. Last year, she joined fellow progressive Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren in backing the Safe Sex Workers Study Act. Uh, Basically, an attempt at mainstreaming uh, prostitution, or I'm sorry, uh, sex work. Uh, It's, you know, the leftist attempt at degrading and destroying uh, morality within the culture is really what it is, but. While AOC is a prominent feminist, Julie Bindle has, of course, argued that legalizing the solicitation of women's bodies is, surprise, harmful to women. I, I know, shocking, isn't it? I hope you all were sitting down. If any of you are listening live right now and you were walking around, and, and I'm sorry, I should have gave you a warning, but you know, I, it's there. It can be harmful. <laughs> Gasp. Quoting here from Bindle, uh, something that she uh, wrote during a well said during an interview with the Guardian back in 2018. One of the most persuasive myths about prostitution is that it is the oldest profession. Now, feminist abolitionists who wish to see an end to … to the sex trade, call it the oldest oppression, and resist the notion that prostitution is merely a job like any other. I think for a change there's something that a uh, a full-blown feminist that I can agree with. It's not just a job. It It is something – the, tr- the sad, sad truth that unfortunately not very many people are taught these days – in fact, there's a ton of people my age that have never gotten this lesson, and that is sex is meant to be something that takes you in the right circumstances to a near spiritual level. It's meant to create a bond, not just a physical connection but an emotional bond with another person. When young people grow up and they're missing something in their life, missing some level of affection, perhaps they grew up in a home without a father. And so young ladies desperate to try and find some type of almost fatherly type of love end up involved with boys in a fashion that would be inappropriate for their age. Similar instances uh, also occur with guys, so it's not strictly a female thing. But this is the type of trap that leaves a lot of young women into making a lot of bad decisions. Now, I don't want to, to say it here and besmirch anybody, and I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm really not, although I'm sure you're going to say, yeah, sure. Tim. That, it certainly sounds like you did a great job of not judging. But I'm not. I'm trying to tell you that an overwhelming majority of people, regardless of their gender, who get involved in sex work – I keep wanting to say prostitution. I I don't like using their language. They're trying to legitimize it. But sometimes I, I need to say it to let you hear how ridiculous it sounds. Sex work is prostitution. But uh, when young people get involved in prostitution in particular, it's usually a bad choice. Very rarely do you find somebody who does it for a while and is happy with it. Now, you might occasionally watch the HBO special where somebody's working at one of these legalized brothels, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's great. It's empowering. I took control of my life. I love sex, and I thought if I've got to make money, why not make a lot of money doing something I like? You get to hear all that, but what you don't see is where these people are at five to ten years later. You can't fill a hole in your spirit, a a hole in your soul with empty, meaningless, transactional, physical activity. Oh, but Tim, I can fill my bank account with it. Well, good luck. What can you buy that's worth having? If you still have an empty soul The practice of using human bodies I'm back to quoting now The practice of using human bodies as a marketplace Has been normalized under the neoliberal economic system Supporting the notion that prostitution is labor Is not a progressive or female friendly point of view Now she continues by saying Quote any government that allows the decriminalization of pimping and sex buying sends a message to its citizens that women are vessels for male sexual consumption. Of course this is still Miss Bindle. She also says, if prostitution is work, will states create training programs for girls to perform the best, Uh, oral sex or sex buyers if prostitution is sex work then by its own logic rape is merely theft the inside of a woman's body should never be viewed as a workplace sex trafficking survivor and advocate Eliza Blue argued against the promotion of OnlyFans by actress Bella Thorne this past summer. Thorne, who's also 23, joined the site in August and made millions in an effort to normalize sex work. Elijah said, quote, as a survivor advocate for those affected by human trafficking, you, talking about Thorne, single-handedly increased folks' risk of being trafficked. Our most vulnerable have been at risk all year. This made it worse. Now, a House Speaker, Miss Nancy Mimi Pelosi, admitted in December that she rejected a relief bill from Republicans during the pandemic because Donald Trump was president. The Orange Man is bad. And we don't want American citizens having a little money in their pocket, free money from the government, although there's no such thing, boys and girls. Remember, the government has zero dollars of its own. It's taking those dollars from someone, and it's not just the rich. The rich can't pay for it all. Even if you took everything they had, it doesn't cover it, especially the things the Democrats want to do. But Nancy Pelosi admitted it was because Donald Trump was president. When people have money in their pocket thinking, hey, uh, this pandemic's not so bad. Thank you, President Trump. Let's reelect you. Yeah, it was a campaign. It was a campaign tactic. Pelosi said at the time that she'd now work with Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. A Republican. Way to go. You apex predator, you. Should work with McConnell to pass a smaller coronavirus relief package because we have a new president. She said that. But does that really matter? Is that the part that's significant here? Clearly not. What's significant, in case you're waiting for me to spell it out, and thankfully I know most of the regular listeners don't need me to do that. But what's significant here is the fact that once again you have the normalization of the destruction of morality. You have the normalization of the destruction of the human spirit. You have the normalization and the desire for people to be crushed thinking they're making a good choice for themselves, thinking they've had an opportunity to financially uh, better themselves, thinking that it's okay. Because everyone else is doing it. This isn't about winning elections. This isn't about who gets the votes. It isn't about who gets to pretend like whose team is winning. This is about the destruction of the republic. And even worse, it's about the deterioration of humanity as a whole. The feminists in this situation and scenario, they're right when they say that this increases the odds of human trafficking. They're right when they say that the inside of a woman's body should never be considered a workplace. There's a lot of things that these feminists are wrong about, but in this instance, they are correct. But… Then I guess it's not that surprising that somebody like AOC would stand up in support of the notion, in support of the idea that sex workers should be protected, that sex workers should be treated like any other kind of – work, because in her mind, it's all part of keeping us distracted. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I think a lot of people give AOC way too much credit. Now, I also think a lot of people give AOC way too much flack. They, they underestimate her. They, they think that she is this ditzy former bartender who honestly had never seen a trash compactor until she moved to D.C. And I, I think they get this notion that, oh, that's just how she is on her social media page, that that's who she really is. I don't think she's quite that bad. As far as lack of intelligence, I think she has some plans. I think she knows what she's doing. But I also think that she is short-sighted and does not see the big picture, does not know what the justice Democrats are truly working for because those are the people that want to hide behind the mantle of progressivism. They want to embrace ideas like socialism. They want to create this beautiful utopia where all animals are equal until you start finding out that some animals are more equal than others. Instead of destroying the human spirit, we should be nurturing families, traditional Traditional families with a mother and a father, both in the home, both loving and nurturing and teaching in the distinct ways that they normally do, not because as a conservative it feels like an institution that must be protected, but as a human observer watching the difference between a more traditional family and then the more modern Families, As defined by the leftists, you see the outcomes, and it's not about privilege, and it's not about skin color, and it's not about religion, but time and time again, you can take any type of demographic, and if you put them being raised up in a traditional-type family setting without fail, they will do better in school. They will go further with their education. They will go further in their careers, and they will do more good in their communities. They will do more good for the people around them. They will contribute more to society, whatever society they may be in. This happens without fail. You see it clearly in Western civilizations where most people have the general – freedom to pursue their goals and interests in their own educational paths. Now, that's not to say that there aren't some exceptions. Uh, Ben Carson comes to mind very quickly. Dr. Ben Carson grew up in the hood, single mother, made good because he put his head down and he worked hard. He earned what he got. How do you accomplish these things? You accomplish these things by nurturing the human spirit in a meaningful way, not with platitudes and not with virtue signaling, and certainly not by encouraging destructive behaviors, which unfortunately almost every policy point the left has involves a destructive behavior because they don't want humanity to… Reach for the stars. I mean they say the words, but they don't, they don't back it up. It doesn't matter what talk you're talking if you don't walk the walk, and they don't. Every life destroyed in their mind means that there's some resource for most of these people, either power or money, that they get some more of because they don't have to share it with another human being. The promises of leftism is utopia. The reality of leftism is selfishness and depravity. (sighs) All right, so I started a little early tonight. And I'm swiftly approaching the end of the first hour of the broadcast. So for those of you who are here live, that includes uh, Bigfoot daily news, uh, meaning that boy is in the house. Uh, hopefully we also will have uh, Suzette somewhere nearby. We've got Purple Pill hanging out with us as well. And Chief, thank you guys for being here. Don't go anywhere. Hour number two will start right after this. However, for those of you that are listening to the rebroadcast on radio stations across the country, you normally only get one hour at a time. So I'll be having to say goodbye to you for today, but just for today. You can probably tune in at the same time tomorrow and hear the second hour of tonight's live broadcast, and I hope you will. But in the meanwhile, until we meet again, please, whatever else you do, don't take my word for it, not one little bit. Do not take anyone else's word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and, more importantly, to use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, you know, be smart out there, guys, even if it does kind of go against your nature. And uh, like I said, if you're here live at BTR right now, don't go anywhere. Hour number two starts right after this. The damn UN. Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tap into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I'm your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap Committee live from historic Rome County, Tennessee. And glad to have you all here. Uh This is hour number two of the live broadcast for the benefit of those of you who are listening on great radio stations across the country that rebroadcast the program. Stations like KYAH 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority, WCET-FM, Columbia's Talk in Columbia, South Carolina, KDIL 105.7 FM in Kennebec, Washington, and K-O-I-I 94.5 FM in Flagstaff, Arizona. If you're listening on one of those great radio stations, for your benefit, the time of the live broadcast was Friday night, December 18th, 2020. And it's a a few brief moments before 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I started about 15 minutes early tonight uh, because I have something that I have to do after the show, and I I started as soon as I could. So glad to have all you guys here uh, hanging out in the uh, chat room with me right now. We've got blogger extraordinaire Bigfoot. You can check out his stuff over at bigfootsplace.blogspot.com. We've got daily news in the house, a.k.a. bringing it boy. Uh, we've uh, got Purple Pill hanging in here and uh, uh, laying, uh, laying down the uh, – Purple's version of wisdom, uh, we've got uh, Chief, host of Simple Facts of Life, and we've got Vorpal Bite in the house as well as the warp slid in just as we were shifting into the second hour. Uh, definitely want to uh, continue uh, pushing forward with tonight's broadcast. Have a couple of stories that I definitely want to get to, but before I get into those stories, uh, I wanted to get a little bit of a, of a minor log out. just because it's important at this stage of this republic. See, in modern life, honor is not often something that's attributed to politicians. There is a lot of talk about principles in modern politics, but examples of standing for principles, at least standing with no personal or perhaps party gain involved… Well, They're kind of difficult to find It in fact Has become so rare that I doubt Very many people would even recognize it, even if it was happening right in front of them They would be Skeptical, they would be cynical They would think that there must be Something in it for them, whatever they're doing Well, We passed the December 14th date Of the casting of the electoral college votes One step Remains Now in determining the 2020 presidential election And that would be the January 6th joint session of Congress Which certifies the electoral results And, if certified, makes those results official It is important to note at this point, however That despite the recent media insistence Until this certification is complete We actually do not have a winner in the presidential race even though the race has been called he, he's president elect sir he's president elect sir no technically not just yet i i don't suspect much is going to change at this point in the game but just from a strictly technical standpoint the election isn't done until that joint meeting which happens on january 6th now The electoral college process, regardless of the left's constant trash-talking about it, uh, it was created by the framers to serve two purposes. One was to balance the interest of very different parts of the country and then also to stand as a last-ditch effort to protect the integrity of the selection of the chief executive. In the earliest days of the republic, the framers knew that people who did not have the American public's interest at heart would try to control and manipulate the office of the president. Disinformation, fraud, basically any means needed for these people to secure their preferred candidate's ascension to the throne, if you will. Well the framers knew that they these possible actions needed to be anticipated and that a sufficient counter Must be in place in order to prevent the corruption of the legitimate selection process The Electoral College process provides multiple opportunities to correct the course of a wayward election The January 6th joint session is not just intended to be a rubber stamp of the electorals' votes either The process allows for members of the House to make objections to certain votes These objections mean nothing if there's not a senator to, quote, sponsor that objection. No Senate sponsor means they continue as if there had been no objection raised. If... A senator does sponsor the objection, then both the House and the Senate have to break apart to go debate that objection for no less than two hours. Now, it can be longer, but it has to be at least two hours of actual debate. And then at the end of the debate, both sides vote on the question of recognizing the objection. Now, in order for the objection to be recognized, both sides, by simple majority vote, must come back in agreement. If it is to be officially recognized by the Congress, that objection, if it's to be officially recognized, both sides must have agreed to recognize it. If both the House and the Senate are not in agreement, then the vote in question are simply counted, again, as if there was no objection. Now here's where things start to get a little tricky. Because while I have come across absolutely zero sufficient evidence to be the case, some legal scholars and even a few constitutional scholars, which by the way I don't put much faith in, claim that if both of these chambers are not in agreement but it appears…  … that the disagreement stems from partisan politics as opposed to a legitimate debate over the issue of the objection in question, then the president of the Senate can simply refuse to certify the results. Now, I I don't know where they're getting this miraculous idea from, and I only share that with you not because I'm necessarily believing that to be the case but because I've heard some people who typically are fairly knowledgeable, and have been right about a few things, some big issues, uh, they've been saying this. So you should be prepared that maybe some shenanigans are still at play. I do not suspect under any circumstance that the democratically controlled House of Representatives will legitimately hear any objections. What I do know is that Mitch McConnell, the so-called apex predator – has been telling the members of the Republican caucus in the Senate that none of them should sponsor any of the known to be coming objections from certain members of the House. Some of the senators that we would expect would possibly or even probably sponsor a said objection have come out already saying that they will not. Uh, There has been a lot to do about Tommy Tuberville supposedly claiming that he will. He's a new senator from the state of Alabama, a former uh, college football coach, by the way, if you're not familiar with the SEC. But here's the thing. This meeting, as I already said, is not intended to be a rubber stamp. It is meant to be a final final step in the process, also making it the final opportunity to correct an errant election. At this point, I suspect nothing will be changed, but I would like to know exactly what it is that Mitch McConnell thinks he's protecting. By trying to tell Republican senators that they should not support this, is it just because he finally came out and said, okay, well, the electoral college has voted, and now it's official, so congratulations? Is he afraid that it will look like he has egg on his face if they were actually able to make something happen here to somehow force the election to be completed? In the House, which is actually still going to be the results that Republicans that raised rejections are hoping for. They're hoping to get enough electoral votes canceled that neither candidate gets to that magic number. And that would be hard to do at this point. But if you honestly believe, if you're a senator, and you honestly believe that there is enough shenanigans that that it represents wrongdoing. And despite what the legacy media will tell you, there's more than enough uh, evidence on the ground that the questions are worthy of being asked. I, I, I haven't seen enough evidence to say that there is proof positive that you completely usurped the election, but there is enough stuff that Full investigation should be done. Legitimate investigation should be done. And you should take every effort to fight, utilizing every legal and constitutional opportunity you have until there's nothing left. But if you're a senator, if you believe that there's even a chance, then you should be supporting this regardless of what Mitch McConnell says. Oh, this is about peace and civility. We don't want to set a bad president. Do you think – that setting a precedent like this matters. I mean the only thing that would be new in this process would be if it actually occurred that it completely overturned the results of the election. Because every other scenario has happened at least twice in the history of this birth. This process was created to try and give every opportunity to prevent fraud, to prevent outside foreign influence to prevent the bad guys from winning. So is this about trying to protect the institutions, or is this about trying to placate to a group of folks that couldn't handle it if the results were overturned? Because if that's the game here, which appears to be the game that the Supreme Court is playing, by the way, also – Not that uh, we have legitimate reason not to hear cases, but we can make up a legal excuse not to hear the case, and whew, now we don't have to do what is essentially their jobs. If you're looking to appease or make peace or placate people on the left because you're afraid they're going to set buildings on fire or break windows out, guess what? Regardless of the outcome, they're going to set buildings on fire, they're going to break windows out, and they're going to continue to assault people on the streets who are easy targets for as long as they're allowed to do so. That is simply the way it is. They've always done it. They always will. You took an oath, and part of taking that oath was to represent your constituency. Now, if the overwhelming majority of your constituency says don't do it, even if you feel like you should, I can then forgive you for not because you're listening to the people who sent you to go do their work. But if the overwhelming number of people in your district are telling you to do everything you can…  … to prevent even the appearance of the impropriety, then you need to take every step. It doesn't matter what Mitch McConnell says. It doesn't matter what the Democrats, what the media, or what the establishment Republicans want. What matters is your role, your responsibility, and I will tell you one last thing if you happen to be a Democrat voter that accidentally listens to this broadcast… You should want elections in this country to be free and fair. You should want when the results of a Joe Biden win is reported that nobody has a question. You don't get to that point by allowing shenanigans on the outsides. You too should be demanding that the the people that are overseeing these elections are doing everything on the up and up. You should be demanding that everyone who volunteers or everyone who's a paid employee of a state that is doing the oversight of these things are doing everything by the book. Because you know what else happens should all the legal measures be taken, and then the outcome you wanted ends up not being the officially recognized outcome? Do you know who you have to blame? Not the other party. But the people who tried to cheat, the people who got caught, they don't just nullify votes for the other side. They nullify your votes too if they get caught and your votes get thrown out. And if you think that's not going to happen in upcoming elections, you're mistaken because a lot of people right now – this fight isn't about trying to save Donald Trump's presidency anymore, although there's still a ton of folks that would love to see that happen. This fight is about restoring integrity to the election, and you do that by making sure that you don't set back and let the bad guys win, and in this case – The bad guys, I'm not referring to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. I'm not referring to the Democratic Party. I'm referring to the people who are willing to adapt the any means necessary mentality and to completely facilitate fraud upon our election. The whole process is degraded, demeaned, destroyed, lessened, made null. When people make a concerted effort, after all is said and done with this presidential election, we need to continue investigating the Dominion voting votes and all of the irregularities that occurred there. We need to continue to put pressure on the individuals that clearly engaged in voter shenanigans during the counting process in Georgia. We need to continue to put pressure on every elected official in every uh, city – well, not city, but every state judge in Pennsylvania that completely ignored the lack of the constitutionality of how they amended their mail-in ballot system. You can talk about whatever legal precedents you want. You can talk about whatever – Statutes exist. You can make all these statements, but there is nothing, literally nothing, that should trump the Constitution. And I'm the first one to tell you that there's a ton of occasions where I don't like the outcome if we just follow the Constitution. I don't like because I want certain things. I'm a person. I have feelings. I have concerns. I have my own political philosophy like most of you do. But I want the Constitution to remain the law of the land. I want Supreme Court justices that do not look at every case that comes in front of them through the lens of what their political philosophy is. I want them looking at it through the lens of what does the Constitution say, because that is the job. Am I asking for too much? Is it not a very good one? I don't. (sighs) Certainly made to feel that way these days. There are certain things that I would like to see in this great republic that I know will never happen again. I would like to see people know their neighbors. I would like to see families having dinner.  … … at a table together talking to one another. I would like to see – I would like to see people putting priority of principles, people doing the right thing simply because it's the right thing to do. I would like to see those things, and I know. I know while on an individual basis you can see some of that, it's not going to ever return to being the norm in this country… So I wish Mitch McConnell would stop trying to bully senators into not supporting this, not because I want to see chaos, not because I want to see Antifa riot on the streets again, but because I want the bad guys, the perpetrators of the fraud, the perpetrators…  … of the misinformation or the uh, lack of information, and talking about the legacy media again here now, I would like to see all these people pay a real price. I would like for these people to come to know, to come to understand that the American people in general, even though we may believe variously, widely, wildly different things about what the role of our government should be… Still do not like the idea of somebody taking our choice away, that we still believe in the idea of liberty. And as a result of that, we expect that we remain the sovereigns that we're supposed to be. That these people, even if we like the results they decide, even if they pick the team that we wanted to win, that we would still prefer that our guy lose than to have someone cheat to make it happen. (coughs) So that's what we need. I'm going to take the uh, mid-hour break right about now cuz it's just a few minutes early and then I'm going to push through these other two stories quickly so you guys don't go anywhere I will be uh, right back on the other side of this
2: A candy maker in Indiana wanted to produce a candy that would be a witness, so he made the Christmas candy cane. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards on today's page from the Edwards Notebook. The candy maker began with a stick of pure white hard candy to symbolize the virgin birth and sinless nature of Jesus. The candy maker made the candy in the form of a J to represent the name of Jesus who came to earth as our Savior. It also represented the staff of the good shepherd who reaches down into the ditches of the world to lift out the fallen lambs that have gone astray. Realizing his candy was very plain, the candy maker it with red stripes to symbolize the scourging Jesus received by which we are all healed. The large red stripe was for the blood shed by Jesus on the cross so that we could have the promise of eternal life. Unfortunately, the candy became known only as a candy cane, a meaningless decoration seen at Christmas time, but the meaning is still there for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. I pray that this symbol will again be used to witness the wonder of Jesus and His great love that came down to us remain the ultimate and dominant force in the universe today and forever. Merry Christmas, and may God bless everyone. I'm Ron Edwards. Please check out the Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition.
3: Hello and welcome to your Songs and Stories for Soldiers Veterans Tip of the Day. So, are you getting too much or too little sleep to rest your brain? According to the National Sleep Foundation, too much sleep can be just as bad as too little sleep for you. Scientists think that about seven hours sleep is the optimum for refreshing the body. Here are some tips Go to bed at the same time every day, keep your bedroom cool, and turn off the television. This has been your Veterans Tip of the Day. I'm Dan Perkins.
1: That very brief break. want to wish everybody a very happy holiday season, regardless of what holidays you may be celebrating. Uh, may the spirit of goodwill and uh, you know, brotherhood among humanity uh, fill your hearts, your minds, and uh, your days with joy. And I, I'm not just saying that. I really mean it. Uh, glad to have you guys here with me and going to try and sneak to... Two count them stories here into the remaining segment of the show. I tend to bloviate a little too much to make that happen, but we're going to see what we can do. I'm going to start with a more important one of the two uh, just because that's what a wise host would do. All right, so um, as we see the Biden administration uh, forming uh, the way – The Biden administration was expected to form, there have been very few surprises with the exception of, uh, well, you know, the exception of exactly who's doing what. And that's actually something that back in the first hour I said that I would address uh, in this hour. I, I don't have enough time to get that, so we will address that on Sunday. We'll, we'll take a look at the utter ridiculousness and completely and totally inappropriateness of some of the selections that Biden has chosen for some of his uh, cabinet appointees uh, as he's nominated them. We'll, we'll take a look then, but um, it also was a case of seeing a return to cronyism. Uh, we see a, a lot more of it. It's it's blatantly obvious. Now, I'm not going to say it doesn't happen with the Republicans. Uh, again, I'll remind you, I'm not dedicated to one party over the other. I'm dedicated to the principles of conservatism and the Constitution. That's where I fall. If the Constitution Party uh, came along and said, okay, this is it. It's time to join. I probably would because that platform is more akin to where I stand. I don't like the squishiness and the lack of willingness to stand up. … for the principles that uh, the Republican Party claims to hold. There's way too many people with an R at the end of their name that are still globalists. There's way too many people with an R with the end of their name that uh, are way too <clears> – <throat> uh, air quotes here – progressive. They think big government is the answer. Uh, it's, it's not. But another one of the returns to the normal business-as-usual swamp-type activity is the dominance… Of the abortion conglomerate Planned Parenthood And It is true Planned Parenthood is in fact playing a crucial role In paving the way For a potential Joe Biden Presidential administration Uh, Reportedly Behind the scenes Helping the Democrats transition team Identify and hire White House staffers Now Planned Parenthood's president uh, Alexis McGill-Johnson told Newsweek that uh, the abortion rights organization is looking to get a return on its investment after splashing out $45 million to help Joe Biden, Kamala Harris ticket get elected. Uh, The group spent a whopping $10 million to paper the airwaves with Biden ads just in the battleground states alone. Now, I'm still trying to figure out why it is that so many people think it's okay for Planned Parenthood to be receiving millions of dollars from U.S. taxpayers every single year if they have enough money in their budget to completely cover their normal operations and still drop $45 million to help a presidential candidate. Seems like they maybe have enough money in their budget that they shouldn't be taking taxpayer dollars. I'm just spiffballing though. See, unlike a lot of uh, folks with an R at the end of their name, as a conservative, I still get concerned about government spending. And I especially have concerns about spending when it goes to help um, facilitate the murder of the pre-born. Now, Johnson told Newsweek that the uh, group is prepared to help Biden be ready to hit the ground running on day one. Uh, That's actually her language here. And that they've been aiding the Biden transition team in identifying new hires, saying, quote, we know that personnel is policy. So we're making sure that those positions are filled with sexual and reproductive health champions. (sighs) Quoting some more here Conversations with the Biden-Harris transition team Johnson said it have been focused On appointments within the White House The administration and various federal agencies Planned Parenthood and its allies Have identified and recommended Nearly 200 people for key positions This was all in the Newsweek report Now the group is also hoping that an incoming Biden administration will immediately prove its commitment to abortion rights. Issuing an executive order within the first 100 days as a way of assuring Planned Parenthood supporters uh, a Biden White House will make expanding abortion a legislative priority. Now, I'll remind anyone who's listening that the White House can – … try to corral the legislative bodies. They can try to establish what their administration's priorities are and what they're hoping the legislators will do as far as moving those priorities forward. But at the end of the day, the legislatures are the legislature. I mean it would be nice if they acted like it instead of uh, completely absconding themselves from their responsibilities… You know, it's a lot easier to just let Barack Obama write an executive order than to pass comprehensive reforms. It's so much easier to let Donald Trump write executive orders than to pass an actual budget. It's so much easier to let Joe Biden write executive orders than to be on the record on anything remotely Confrontational, anything remotely non-conventional, anything that might actually raise to the level of controversy. Because if it's something that reaches the level of controversy, then it puts elected officials. In a potentially dire spot. I mean if their constituents are all for it and you've got an overwhelming majority, if you're hanging out in San Francisco and you're an uber lefty, chances are you can go on the record and you're going to be okay. If you're in a purple district in the state of Missouri and you go on the record, regardless of which way you go, maybe you're not going to be okay. So, yeah, let's just let everybody be mad at the president, even though the president's having to take actions that aren't even constitutionally allowable because it's the responsibility of the legislature. But we'll let everybody be mad at them uh, and pretend like we're just shocked and amazed that it would ever happen. <gasps> I can't believe the president would do that. But uh, the Planned Parenthoods are playing as smart here. They're. they're they're putting more of their personnel into the Biden administration than the Chinese government has been putting spies in the Democratic Party for the last three decades. Really moving forward and almost demanding an executive order. What's, what's the executive order for? You notice they didn't say that here, just that an executive order that would demonstrate their commitment – Now, the outlet itself, of course, speculates that Johnson is pressing Biden to uh, lift the so called global gag rule. Uh, That's the one that prevents foreign aid organizations and other non governmental organizations from receiving federal funding if they provide or refer. For abortions. The rule, also known as the Mexico City policy, prevents Planned Parenthood's international outreach organizations from accessing American taxpayer funds, cutting down dramatically on their funding. Now, Planned Parenthood is also very much likely petitioning the Biden uh, team to restore their access to Title X family planning programs. The group voluntarily left the Title X program after the Trump administration issued a new edict banning organizations receiving Title X grants from providing or referring patients for abortions except in extreme cases. Planned Parenthood was given the option to reorganize how they provide services, but if you'll recall at that time, they chose rather than restructure, rather than not Push abortions, not push the eugenics population control dreamed of by Margaret Sanger. Rather than no longer make that the centerpiece, the objection, the goal of their organization, they chose to simply give up some of those taxpayer dollars. They dropped their involvement in the Title X program because they just weren't willing. And that's fine. Personally, I I continue to make the case they extort so much money from private sector sources, they don't need any taxpayer dollars. They should not be receiving a single penny of taxpayer funding, simply should not. I don't care what accounting tricks they're playing. They clearly have too much cash as it is. Again, $45 million to help Joe and Kamala. $45 $45 million to try and help Barely There, Beijing, Biden, and Horizontal Harris to claim residency at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue? Please. If you can drop $45 million for that, you don't need any taxpayer dollars. You got enough. Just say it. The blueprint for sexual and reproductive health. Rights and justice. That's a policy agenda, by the way, developed by a coalition of reproductive health and justice organizations, of which Planned Parenthood is a part, pretty big part. Well, they estimate the needed amount of grant money at $954 million. (coughs) According to the article in Newsweek, the program usually gets $280 million taxpayer dollars every year they want 954 million 954 million they already have more money than they need why they need a 300% jump in their funding it's also been made uh, apparent from public uh, statements that Planned Parenthood is looking for Joe Biden to repeal the Hyde Amendment, which of course prevents taxpayer money from flowing to abortion services through Medicaid. Now, at the end of the day, the federal government has been in a position where they should be actively preventing Planned Parenthood from receiving any taxpayer dollars. Again, they play the tax – they play these accounting tricks. Well, none of that money is going to provide abortions. No, but it's allowing you to take this private sector money you get and put all of it towards abortions, isn't it? You're just paying your salaries out of the taxpayer amounts. You're just putting the money down. The bottom line here is whatever money you've got in there, you can allocate it. You can split it up however you want, and you can say not a penny of this is going to that. But if this is part of your big bank account, then it's helping to support your goals, your agenda, your purpose. Not one penny of taxpayer dollars should be going to Planned Parenthood, and unfortunately for all the talk, all the bluster, all the effort by a few folks here and there, as a party objective, the Republicans could care less about defunding Planned Parenthood. They couldn't possibly care less. It's simply not possible. You've got a few good folks here and there randomly scattered, a lot of them part of the Freedom Caucus. Sadly, not a big enough block of the Republican Party in the House or the Senate to control the platforms, to move in the right directions. Simply not. Taxpayer dollars are still being utilized. Taxpayer dollars are still being utilized to facilitate the murder of the preborn. But hey, the the so-called progressives are all for it, so that must make it okay, right? All right, uh, here's a that second story that i said i was going to try and sneak in now again I, I did have a much bigger story where we were going to take a a look at some of these selections uh that joe biden has been saying this is who i'm nominating for this spot where clearly he's uh Got a big board over here somewhere And uh, he's got a Blindfold on and he's just throwing a dart To figure out where he's putting these people I owe these people a favor, boom, okay You're ambassador to Zimbabwe Uh, Boom Uh, You're uh, the uh, Transportation secretary Uh, Okay, we'll we'll do that on Sunday I want to sneak this one in Uh, Again, not as important Uh, Freely, not as important But it is important to take a look at where the culture wars are setting at any point in time And to see what people are actually saying This one actually kind of breaks my heart a little bit Because it involves former NBA legend Lou Alcindor, a.k.a. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Growing up, fan of the sport Was a big fan of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Especially uh, his years with the Lakers in particular (sighs) I loved seeing him transition into doing some acting later on. Just was a fan. Fine and simple. Liked his work. Liked what he did. Loved his attitude uh, when it came to basketball, too. One of my favorite interviews with Magic Johnson was he was talking about one of the early games during his career. Uh, They managed to pull off a close victory and that he was uh, just really uh, celebrating the win. And uh, Kareem was just like – sitting over calmly, uh, switching uh, off, uh, <laughs> changing out of the, the uniform, getting ready to shower and get out. he's like, son, uh, you know, this is just uh, the first game of many. And uh, it's really good when you're a professional to, uh, to act like you've been here before and act like you're planning on being back. You know, winning is what we do here. Uh, it's not a major victory to win this one game. Uh, we have to go to work to go get the next one. I love that workman's attitude. I love that being the advice he was giving uh, a – at that point in time, rookie NBA player who also went on to have a superstar career. I, I loved all that. But over the years, Kareem has certainly shown himself to be more of a left-leaning kind of guy, and now he kind of did this thing that goes beyond being, <clears throat> air quote progressive goes beyond being your typical leftist and is right on par with some of the most dangerous thought process that's ongoing. You see, Kareem is officially called upon big tech social media giants, folks like Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. He's officially calling on these guys to censor and to deplatform conservative celebrities, people like James Woods and uh, uh, John Voigt. John Voight, uh, you know, they're very conservative, and they're free to be as conservative as they want to be because they've already established their careers. They've already made all the money they need to make. They don't have to worry about being blackballed in Hollywood anymore. So they they say a lot of stuff, and sometimes they get really saucy, and sometimes they just they just hurt the feelings of those folks on the left that don't like what they're saying. The fact that they're Hollywood celebrities, well, that makes them dangerous for the very same reason that we say leftist Hollywood celebrities are dangerous on uh, this side of that because there's way too many people that blindly follow them because of their celebrity. When it's the cult of personality that's driving the fandom as opposed to uh, something of merit, then you should be selective. Like I said, I loved Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's work ethic. I loved watching him play The game of basketball, I enjoyed watching him transition into acting there in his earliest days of having retired from the league. I really did. In fact, I still consider myself to be a fan, but I am not a fan of this op-ed that he wrote for The Hollywood Reporter. It was kind of lengthy, but in this uh, little bit of – in this – I'll very – Diplomatically, he continued to refer to it as an op-ed, but it it was a little more than that in my opinion. But in the op-ed, Abdul-Jabbar argued that such conservative celebrities do great harm to the fabric of society and should be silenced, saying, quote, few are more beloved than J.K. Rowling, whose Harry Potter books – make up the best-selling series in history. Yet her anti-trans tweets may not only damage the Potter and Fantastic Beast franchise, a uh, franchise is, they could end up tainting her entire literary legacy. Even the stars of the movies, Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, Rupert Grint, uh, Eddie uh, Redmayne, uh, have spoken out against her position. John Shelley's tone deaf defense of Brawlings left many fans bitterly disappointed, tarnishing his reputation. Continuing, it would be tempting to dismiss this self mutilation as merely the triggering of overly sensitive cancel culture, but some of this public brain does immediate harm to the foundation of society. Giuliani's attacks on the integrity of the 2020 elections without any substantive evidence has undermined the democratic process. A post-election poll indicates that 77% of Republicans think Joe Biden won because of fraud. Since no credible proof has been shown, this opinion can only be held because they practice flat-earther, anti-vaxxer cult-think. Someone in authority told me what I want to hear, so it must be true. To those who would charge Abdul with the same crime, given his own celebrity status, He countered that by saying that uh, he has, quote, been writing books and articles about history, culture, and politics for 30 years to establish his credibility. Yeah. Credibility. You can write books about history. You can write articles. About culture, you can lead discussions or even do a podcast about politics. What establishes your credibility is being right, and if you're perpetrating notions like the 1619 project, then you have no credibility. You're facilitating a narrative, a falsehood. You're not engaged in truth. Now, I'm not saying that's what uh, that that's what uh, Kareem's doing here. I've read some of his stuff, not a lot of it, but I've read some of it. It's been a while now, so I don't even remember precisely what it was, but I definitely remember picking it up because it was from Kareem and then thinking, oh, man. But if you want to establish credibility, you need to establish credibility with facts, truth, reality. You don't get that from just taking your opinion and putting it forward. But if you are a student of history, if you are a student of culture, then you, Kareem, as much as anyone should realize how totally and completely dangerous it is to follow through with what you're saying. You can take the most asinine individual that you can imagine. A lot of people might immediately go to Alex Jones. A lot of people might immediately go to George W. Bush. A lot of you guys out there might say Donald J. Trump. You can take the most outrageous, boisterous personality. You may not like a single thing they say, but if you were a liberal, you would defend their right to say it. The solution to people saying stupid things is let them say their stupid thing and then expose them for it being stupid. Challenge Their ideas In the marketplace of ideas Let it be known Where you stand Let it be known where they stand And let it be okay For them to express it Because whatever damage To society is done Through more speech Is far less damaging Than to try and suppress speech A student of history Knows that Someone who's watched culture Knows how it's harmed When people are marginalized When people are silenced Whatever the basis for that Marginalization or silencing is When people aren't allowed to express themselves When people aren't allowed To say things To write things To sing things or rap things Or whatever your medium Of artistic expression is Short of Violence on the streets, that's not really an artistic expression, although I know some people would make that argument. When you try to take people's ability to speak away from them simply because you disagree with it, and that's what you're saying here, Kareem. Like it or not, oh, well, uh, sure, I'm a celebrity, but I'm above all that because I've got 30 years of experience of being in this sphere. Rush Limbaugh has over 30 years of experience in that sphere as well, and I would imagine you probably wouldn't agree with him and probably would reject his credibility, despite the fact that there are millions of people that embrace that credibility. Establish your credibility on the strength of facts and principles, and you'll be all right. But the idea of trying to silence somebody, it's not a good thing. Now, the former basketball star says that he appreciates the warnings that social media giants place on certain celebrity statements. He believes it does not go far enough. In other words, all these really annoying uh, statements that they've been putting on with the folks that they're still allowing on the platforms – Oh. The 2020 election has been called by the AP. I'm sorry. I I did a video that had nothing at all to do with an election, and it still stuck that on. Why? Because I talk about elections a lot. Gee, imagine that. It's a show about politics. Surprise! Hope you were sitting down for that one. I wouldn't want to knock anybody over. (sighs) Back to the op-ed. He said that social media companies have begun slapping warnings on some messages that are false, uh, incite violence, or cause harm to society. But this needs to be done with more consistency and vigilance. You know what? Actually, uh, fine. Uh, You're right about the consistency part. Again, I will stand up and I'll tell you, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, they can set whatever community standards they want. I don't have a problem with any of it until I see them willfully ignoring their policies when it comes to folks that post things on the left. I see a lot of incitement of violence from leftists that's allowed to say that. In fact, I see Iran threatening anybody that's not the right kind of Muslim. Do they get banned? Do they get a warning? No. But you let little old me say, well, things still look kind of funny And d- d- during the Georgia uh, election night counting process. Why did they tell people they shut down and after they sent observers and reporters home uh, just kept on counting? Isn't that a little suspicious? Isn't that worth getting an explanation for? No. That – Deems me getting a warning label on my comment, that deems me being uh, a facilitator of falsehoods, and all I did was ask a question. Well, you're bringing into question the, uh, the accuracy of the results. Fine, but are you doing the same thing on both sides? Because calling Joe Biden president-elect until the Electoral College – I'm saying calling him that before the Electoral College vote has even occurred – That is inaccurate. In fact, doing so before the joint congressional meeting to count the electoral votes, and then it's certified by them. Until that happens, calling him president-elect even then, it's premature. It's the expected result at this point. But it's still premature because technically you're not president-elect until that happens. Nothing else has created you as being the president-elect until then. And just saying that is worthy of me being silenced, saying something that is true, making it clear that it is a technicality, but it is a technicality that is true. I oh, know, you're You're out there propagating strange conspiracy theories now Kareem went on and I would highly recommend that uh, that if you're interested in the that you go ahead and track it down and read it for yourself There's a lot of very disheartening things stated for somebody who was a fan of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, even though at this point I had an idea of what to expect. But I would have never thought he would openly call for the silencing of people he didn't agree with. So yeah, I believe that his interest in history and culture was born from a position of genuinely wanting to learn and, and express and to teach – But a teacher doesn't want to squash – doesn't want to squash the conversation, doesn't want to not teach the history, doesn't want to gloss over the negative parts of history because we need those negative parts to be taught too. We need to have those conversations. We need to have those touchstones to remind us of – How bad it's been before, how far we've come together, why we belong as a single nation, a republic, that we can do amazing, miraculous things together, or we can simply fall apart. Either one's a choice. I just prefer that we be the ones allowed to make the choice. I prefer that we embrace the good and not let the good be the enemy of the perfect. That's my preference. Clearly, I'm in a minority. In the meanwhile, I'm out of time, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for being here. All you guys hanging out, especially those of you that are regulars, thank you so very much. And remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and more importantly, to use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, you guys stay uh, safe, stay healthy, and, uh, you know, be smart out there, folks, Uh, even if it kind of Goes against your nature. That's it for me for now for tonight. Hope to see most of you guys on Sunday. In the meanwhile, I'm out. Have a great weekend, everybody.